0: Autistic people with quality of life and opportunity. You're listening to the Autism CRC Podcast. This is the Autism at Work speaker series featuring pre-recorded audio captured during the live Autism at Work virtual summit event held in March 2023. Hear from over 40 local and international speakers, panelists and presenters, including neurodivergent employees and employers, as they discuss the important topics affecting autistic people at work. You can also watch this series on the Autism CRC YouTube channel.
1: All right, my friends, thank you for coming back. And here we are once again. I'm Orion Kelly. Now, uh, this session is going to be fantastic. I'm delighted, uh, honoured to be moderating it. So strap yourselves in, my friends, uh, talking about small to medium enterprises. Okay, this panel is fantastic. You know, we kind of get to the, uh, I guess, the idea of hearing from many businesses uh, that you would probably classes on the larger scale so it's great to introduce you to a couple of small businesses that have decided to recruit and employ autistic people before we kick off once again submit questions we'd love to hear your questions as they pop up in your head just put them down in the q a pane so you just submit your questions by clicking on the q a tab on the right hand side of the screen jot them in there and you'll see other people's if you like theirs you can upvote them by clicking on the arrow beside it we'll get to as many questions as we can as we move throughout this session and uh, well i guess we should just get to introducing our panelists so let's start off uh, with uh, jeff smith jeffrey is the ceo of australian spatial analytics and leads a team of 125 employees the majority of whom live with a neurodiverse a disability, namely autism, and are under the age of 30. Uh, hey, Jeff, welcome, my friend. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you very much. Lovely to be here.
1: Okay, and our, uh, our second guest on this panel, Cathy uh, Isaacs. Now, Cathy is a Salesforce Experience Consultant at Turnkey CRC, part of the Autism CRC. Cathy, welcome. Thank you. Well, guys, uh, let's let's get to this. There's absolutely nothing about this that is uh, is scripted, or we've basically come up with some organic talking points to, to talk through to, I guess, the most important and the most um, relevant topics. And I'm so glad we're doing this small to medium uh, insight. I think it's so valuable. I guess my my first point is probably because sometimes you know when we only hear about what programs or what departments or what budgets or what people giant corporations have, it can be it can seem a bit unrealistic for smaller businesses or medium businesses to put those into practice. And I totally understand that. Um, I guess it comes down to the premise of, are you know, you're going to have a $100,000 sensory room or are you going to let your employee go home an hour earlier? I mean, it's actually, they're, they're, you can actually go the uh, the cheaper route. So, Jeff, I'd love to, I'd love to start with you because um, we, we've talked about this briefly before. Uh, we're going to get to the whole process of employment. But first up, let's just talk about neurodiversity, uh, utilising, the benefits of neurodiversity in a workplace. Uh, how, I guess, you know, explaining it to people watching you, how you see it as a benefit and, and how, how it works for you.
2: Sure. Um, uh, it is an enormous benefit. Um, and hopefully hopefully our organisation is just the, the start of a bit of a, a revolution um, because we're only a couple of years old. Quite quickly. I know we're in the small medium enterprise um, discussion today, but I'm hoping in future we can um, we can make it a big boys. Um, but as far as um, as far as the benefit, you know um, it's a data-driven world now digital economy, um, many neurodivergent people really love technology um, and many have kind of um, uh, innate strengths uh, to be able to focus um, and concentrate and have great pattern awareness and and, uh, facial recognition. So we started with the the neurodiverse um, mindset um, to build a a social enterprise um, that the Australian economy really, really needs now. So um, skilled employment uh, is all the rage, that um, shortage in skilled employment, particularly digital skills, and we thought, there's a um, huge amount of untapped, uh, potential in young adults who um, haven't been given a fair go yet. And the uh, proof is in the pudding. Um, to go from zero employees to over 100 now in a couple of years and to, uh, to go from zero dollars in revenue to half a million a month. You know, um, clearly our customers love what our young school brings, and hopefully uh, we're building. great careers um that will ensure that uh, the team members can create real wealth and wealth for themselves but also lead the charge for australia in the digital skills um kind of um shortage across the world so the benefits are enormous you know that the team worked so so hard um uh, the all, all the uh, kind of cliches of, of what neurodiversity in the workplace means we love to submit to those and the culture is really strong, and um, wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, really, hopefully, we can um, we can keep uh, showing forward that uh, you know neurodiversity is positive for workplace culture and productivity, and it's necessary for all organisations.
1: Absolutely. Now, what about you, Cathy? From a, I mean, again, we're talking um, you know smaller, medium enterprises. They might think well, this might be okay for big companies or corporations, but we only have a few staff and it's really important in all these types of, you know, a, how, what, how do you feel about the idea of the, you know, the importance of neurodiversity in the workplace?
3: I think the main point of neurodiversity in the workplace is that it brings in new ideas because people with any flavour of neurodiversity are going to think slightly differently to somebody who's well-standard neurotypical in the middle of the bell curve. Um, and that is likely to be a benefit for any business, doesn't matter how small or big you are, having new ideas coming in and new ways of understanding things coming in is going to be a benefit. Um, One of the things that you were talking about with the budget, um, you don't need a big budget to hire an autistic person and you don't need $100,000 sensory rooms. What you need is the flexibility to talk to your individual neurologically diverse employees and find out what it is that they're needing what's difficult and a small business can do that so much better than a large one because you're going to know all of your employees
1: makes sense it makes sense now this is something I'd like to talk about which I think is, re- is a really um a really interesting discussion certainly like you say with smaller and, and medium-sized businesses strength-based employment um I know Jeff this is something that is important to you do you want to do you want to talk about how this how this fits into autistic or neurodivergent potential employees and employees the the idea of strengths based employment?
2: Yeah, um, it's what we live and breathe. It's it's what's making um, us a shine. Um, we are not a pity purchase. Uh, our organisations purchase from us because of the strengths of our team and. Um, that speaks for itself it allows small medium enterprise to kind of hone in on a competitive advantage that large organizations just don't have um because uh we can concentrate talent based on the strengths of um neurodiver- neuro- neurodivergent minds so it's what we it's how we survive is the fact that we can rattle off statistics on pattern recognition and spatial um, uh, processing and memory retention and concentration because our team are really high performance. And we kind of talk about um, the strengths based is innate to the, to the individual, to the person. Um, and all the skills and experience that gets worked on at work that can be bolted on around great supports at work. It's the innate strengths of the individual that you either have or you don't. And uh, we like to, we really like to push that. Um, and it's why we're um, getting so much repeat business. Certainly with the, um, it is easier as a, as a smaller starting company uh, where you are bootstrapping um, to be able to focus on the qualities uh, of the workforce um, because every organisation needs employees. Um, but as you say, there's other, there's other um, There's other things that uh, potentially we can't afford when we're uh, bootstrapping from startup you focus on the culture um, around the individuals um, and if you focus on their strengths, um, all the rest kind of seems to take care of itself.
1: Kathy, anything you wanted to add on strengths based employment?
3: Yes, that I started working with the CRC out of a out of a crowd in history of um, being an autistic advocate more recently, but also being a palliative care nurse. Um, I had burnout, as many of us do, and one of my strengths is pattern recognition. And I was asked to, I, I came into the um, CRC to be on the Autism at Work team, um, an autistic sort of eyes and voice on the team for the 2018 Autism at Work, and was able to use the platform we now are, Um, sharing with other CRCs and it was was that recognition of patterns, recognition of being able to find the information that I needed quite easily, which I put right down to being autistic, uh, that was able, that that has brought me into this team and I've been here for five years now Um, and I just think individual people who have particular individual strengths um, will boost a business's productivity.
1: Yeah, and I I think we've had many conversations in general terms of community about the difference between, say, you know, a a deficits view of model of autism and a strengths-based model of autism. So really all we're really doing is continuing that through to other facets of life. I guess too, you know, a a lot of people um, could argue that for an autistic person to gain employment, they're, it is it is possible to say that if you want it if you do want to make a list like a like an assessment we may have more deficits than our neurotypical peer trying to get the same job right there there may be things in our way and this is this comes to the conversation about not just employment because we know this is what we're talking about but really probably the key challenge for an autistic person in 2023 isn't so much employment it's getting employed Uh, and then once you have the job, it's keeping the job. And I, I, I'd like to talk about this, in, and uh, we've got time to really go through this bit by bit. So let's, let's start, forget about getting in the door. Let's start at, I don't know, what would you say, Jeff? Is, is it getting on the street, getting on the sidewalk? What's this? what, you know, what's the first, what would you say, Jeff, is the absolute first hurdle for an autistic person with regards to employment? Because I don't actually think it's getting the
2: job. I agree. Yeah, um, you got to re- reverse engineer these things. So um, the unemployment rate, number employment rate, is a is a symptom. Isn't it? you know it's a result. Um, what's what's bringing that forward, and then um, you know, what, what's bringing that um, outcome alive, and you got to work backwards. Certainly, um, traditional um, uh, professional employment, which is where we work, you know, in professional services, you need a great resume. You need a tertiary institution degree, um, and you need to network um, with other undergraduates, graduates, um, other people who work in the industry, mentorship, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you need a stable home. Um, and if you've been at the margin and and not given um, those opportunities, it's like anyone. It's like it's like any uh, underemployed cohort. The step is just too far. And so what we do is is say, look, businesses, organizations, we're a model for backing someone um, because we know that um, they have great unique strengths. Um, And we'll work out the experience, the training, if there's any uh, credentials required over time, the mentorship, the networking, the social skills, support. Uh, We'll work that out on the job. Um, but let's get them productive and working and, and build self-esteem and, and and show what they can do first. So that's kind of twitching it. And um, that is unusual. I do understand that. Um, but the tailwinds of doing that um, are really in our favour. There's such a skills shortage that um, organisations need to do something different and stop going to the same channel. So let's think of any IT role or any role that requires a lot of great, um, um, you know, uh, pattern recognition or memory retention, let's start with um, uh, not needing the resume and the accreditation and networking skills. Let's start with the person who's got great potential and build the rest on the job later. Um, so it's a huge mindset shift for recruitment. Um, and to employ I do understand that I really do but um, the status quo is not working it's not working for um, autistic uh, uh, individuals and it's certainly not working for organizations looking for talent so try and uncover it for a different rock.
1: it is profound as you say it is massive but I think what you say is exactly what you know we all need to hear we all need to talk about those watching today and you know uh, I'll, I'll get your perspective in, in a second, Kathy, but I just wanted to go through that list you were talking about. You're right. So you know, you may say we won't require certain things, right? As a as a rule. So the stock standard system is, you know, you see a job, you have a resume, and I don't know, a bloody cover letter, and uh, it's all yeah. these different things, right? You've got to attach a resume, a cover letter, referees. That's another thing for autistic people and professional referees, by the way. That you know, uh, if you've burnt every HR bridge in every job, you got good luck getting a referee. Um, and I think this is the issue. Okay, so you know our resumes, our cover letters, our networking abilities. You know, for a lot of autistic people, you know, social interaction and communication are challenges. So we aren't networking people. We, that's not what we do. We're not something we we get. Um, all these things are already against us. And then you've got job interviews, standard standardised job interviews, and potentially second interviews, and these are the barriers that mean most, and it, you know, the, as I say, the Senate report proves it, you know, uh, most people aren't going to get the role. So it, it shows that the standard system of employing people is skewed completely away from neurodivergent people. Do, do
3: you understand what, I, what I'm saying, Cathy? Does that make sense? Yes, and I would say um, even before any of the application side of things, very first barrier that an autistic person has overcome when they're wanting a job is that you have to start to trust yourself and to have the confidence to even look for a job you've got to overcome um, not knowing the right people um, your home situation but also your past employment experiences and i don't think there's anybody who's autistic and in the job market and sort of over about 30, who hasn't got past employment experiences that are dragging on them and causing them to feel, I don't even know if I can do this. Maybe I should just go on disability benefits and forget all about it.
1: Yeah, deeply, deeply feel that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, By the way, just for those watching, at any point, if something resonates or something, uh, you know, triggers something, could you please put it in the Q and A pane if you have any questions? You go to the Q and A panel at the top right there. Just put your questions in, and you can vote for them. And we'll get—I'll just interject whenever they're they're appropriate. Uh, now let's talk about the next phase, which is which is keeping a job. And I guess this comes down to things like well, there's this broad term, inclusive employment, uh, but I mean it. You know, I think it's so broad, it, it's it, it's a bit. It's it's a bit like well who, it doesn't mean anything. But then we want to talk about more specific things, which is reasonable adjustments, keeping jobs. So well, let, let's start let's start off, uh, Kathy. Kathy, with you from your point of view, how do you how do you see the challenges and how do you see the way forward for for uh, this sounds I don't know if this sounds bizarre to me, but uh, based on asking you how do we how do we help autistic people keep their jobs? I know it sounds like a bizarre question, but it's actually a really important question.
3: I think. There are a lot of things that go into this. Um, I think the main thing is if you see the autistic person that you have employed is struggling with something, then you talk to them about it. You find out what's going on. Um, I had a job experience where my manager said to me, I, I had a horrible burnout, at just this moment where I felt my brain break. Um, and that was associated with a lot of external things, that a concatenation of circumstances that would happen once in a lifetime. Um, and my manager, when I went and took my medical certificate in, said, "Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, you might have noticed I didn't put you on any weekend shifts because I saw that you were going to let me down." Now that moment of, he had seen this coming. He had seen that I was struggling. He had said nothing. Now. My response to that was, I'm an adult. I should be able to see this stuff myself. But I didn't have a diagnosis at that time, and I didn't. I'd never heard of alexithymia, which is not being able to read or to label your own emotions or other people's. In my case, it's my emotions, um, and I didn't know that it was coming. And all of all of the situation that occurred after that could have been avoided if he had said you really look like you're struggling at the moment I know there's a lot going on for you do you need to take some time off but all he said was I could see you were going to let me down um so that's the first thing talk to your employees the other thing is for the autistic employees um, if you don't know how to do something or if you're feeling very frustrated Sometimes it's really, really difficult to speak, and particularly if you've got a fear of management or a fear of um, hierarchy, which a lot of people I know have. um, Sometimes just writing it down and then working on it to get it to a point where it doesn't sound emotive or blaming and then handing that to your manager and saying, these are the things that I'm struggling with, that can also, that will definitely help your manager, and it will help you too, because some of the things that otherwise would go unaddressed can be addressed, can be looked at, and and discussed.
1: I thank, can I thank you for being so open and honest? I really appreciate that. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, Jeff, I'm just going to let you go, my friend. Uh, let's let's hear it. We need to we need to help autistic people keep their job. Not about just getting jobs, keeping jobs, and not only about keeping jobs, but actually doing well and progressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the end of the job, guys, to give an autistic person a job and then say, job done. It's about, it's about progression. Tell us, help us here. How can people watching help in this process? What do you do? How does it
2: work? Um, yeah, echo, echo the sentiments. Thank you for sharing. I think that was, um, that was, that was incredible. Um, so, you know, if I think about myself, my favourite topic, um, you know, 90% of my success isn't my fault. It's the people that are around me um, and that are around you in the workplace um, that help kind of make things manageable and enjoyable uh, at work and, have, and help you be productive and, and satisfied as, a, as an employee. So um, certainly uh, the keeping the job is, I guess, it's a bit like, um, a bit like pregnancy everyone focuses on the birth and then not the raising of the, the, the child afterwards um, it's the the actual getting in the door is, is fantastic you know let's break down those barriers break down those barriers but let's um focus on, on on how people can thrive in employment and i guess what we've done differently to other organizations is uh those that lead teams um, and are there to support are also either um, neurodivergents themselves, have worked in the industry a long time, or at least in the same age demographic. So we try and not have the traditional um, older kind of uh, person or, or a person who's just got no understanding of the background or, uh, to manage an autistic employee because there's enough, there's enough things to work through um, to, to not have other things that you don't have in common with. Um, so so we really intentionally do that with with those that lead our teams um, to ensure that they can kind of meet them on the right level. Um, and then we also have um, great staff um, called People Success Officers who are there and dedicated to our teams to ensure that whatever is going on in their lives, they can help them through it, so that um, work isn't the problem, isn't the big hairy problem at the moment. and. Um, that's obviously an expense, but it's really an investment because if you can keep um, teams happy and healthy and um, uh, with with a great outlook on where they are right now and to where they're going to go, then it pays back in stays. So there's a couple of things we do. Everyone, no matter where they're starting, need to know a path, right? And whether that's within our organisation, externally, or even just, what the industry is doing, or um, what another industry we work in, or another project we work in is doing. Everyone needs that. Doesn't matter who you are, and so you need to be able to provide that hope um, right now. That um, let's get stuck in now because you can work towards something. Um, and so, kind of, you know, those individual development plans um, to to support someone to to think about the future um, is really, really important. And we do that as well. So there's a few different things. Um, they are certainly not perfect though, mate. Like. We've got a long, long way to go, um, but we can we can always try and meet people where they are um, and give them the benefit of the doubt, which is what all employers should really do with employees.
1: Absolutely. Now, we're, we, I'm just going to quickly uh, pause to the questions we're talking about. We're going to get to more of those in a second, but Cathy, do you mind? I'm just going to give you a comment and a question from the Q&A uh, panel here. So let's get to this. Here we go. I just want to say that Kathy's experiences really resonate with me. Managers can absolutely help the employee by offering assistance, but they also help their own business by doing so. It can make no sense they're unwilling to do this. That's a comment for you, Cathy. And also, this is a question to you about, I guess, your last experience. How how can you help people? I guess, how, how from your experience, what can you advise? to help people manage autistic burnout in their work. So sick leave and planning aren't always possible and there isn't a simple answer to what do you need or even how long will you be off for without losing their job? Is there anything you can, you can share um, for the people that are watching on, on that, Kathy?
3: I guess the thing for all employers, managers to realise is that autistic burnout tends to be, if it really gets to full burnout, three-year process. So you're going to lose your employee if they don't have some way of relieving that pressure. So in my case, um, the manager's solution was a really bad one because when you work on the weekend, you were the only person working. It was quiet. It was a way to de- um, decompress, even though you still had you know, the work and and a fair amount of work to do. It was only one person. You weren't also navigating that social, as they say in schools, social curriculum. You're only managing your own workload. So just by asking me what would help, um, taking me off weekends wasn't the answer. Um, It doesn't always require time off. Sometimes it just requires somebody to say, wow, really sounds like you've been having a tough time. Um, if you need, a, you know, to, to go and finish your work at home, that's fine. Or, uh, in in that situation, I could have done that. Um, or there are any number of solutions that are really going to help that one individual person to get through the tough situation they were in. In my case, um, a concatenation of issues that were coming from not having my situation understood, not not having my neurotype understood. And to be fair, I didn't really understand it myself at the time, so that's not completely on the manager, but anything that you would do to help an autistic employee will help any of your employees. If somebody is having a hard time, if they seem to be struggling with the work, it's not just the autistic employees you need to talk to about that. So um, asking you know, saying we don't have any space for you to take some time off, but can you think of anything that we could do to help? Um, And you don't have to answer right now, you know, talk to me tomorrow if you think of something. Just giving that understanding of the difficulty that's going on um, will make a huge difference. The person who's going into burnout might not realise it. So it's it's really the managers can make a big difference. Managers or own like uh, employers can make a big difference there.
1: Yeah. Hey Jeff, are you mindful of employee burnout? Do you have things you do to kind of mitigate it or manage it?
2: Yeah, completely. And you know, it's difficult because we are a startup. We have um, you know, got to, in, got to bring in more clients and 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 everyone's, you know, got to work hard. It's a it's a difficult balance. Um but, you know, our purpose is to use data to employ diversity. So it's pretty easy. Um, it, it, it's pretty easy cut and dry. You know, we don't have shareholders to, to kind of respond to. So if there's ever those critical kind of junctures where should the person be taken care of or the or the sale, then it's, it's very easy for us um, uh, because the people are, you know, how long um, comes to When it comes to burnout, um, I guess the most difficult thing to do to someone who is neurodividing is to uncertain excited um because certainly if there was openness and transparency um, we can deal with it in in, in the right, in right and appropriate way for the person um, but it needs to be understood that it's happening and, and as Kathy mentioned potentially the beginning of happening effects maybe uh, expected to communicate that um, and so that's just about fostering a great culture and expectation that we do work hard, but it's not its not everything and it's not the be all and end all. Um, let's try and have fun and whatever fun means for you um, together so that, you know, the pressure is taken off. Um, and, you know, any pressure that you may be feeling at this point in time, it's internal pressure, which is completely understand, I get that too. Um, but it's not the organisation trying to put it upon you. So, um, you know, being en- empathetic first is is easy. Um, but with that um, with that caveat in mind of, of being able to pick up the warning signs, um, we don't have as as I mentioned, we've got uh, you know growing um, teams that are larger and larger, and as, as you know, seventy five percent of the team um, are um, neurodivergent. Um, we then also have you Know uh, people around who understand and have been through those things before, and so can potentially pick it up quicker than I would, or, or, or someone who is neurotypical, and that has really helped. Um, so that kind of brings back to the culture of let's not just be tokenistic about it because, um, people are doing the same scenario where uh, I completely understand the, the, the issues with um. Taking leave and, and, and being sick. I hope society is going in the right direction there um, uh, because uh, that's a systemic change that neither Kathy or I can kind of figure out for now. Um, but for our organisations, we can, and, and, and about fostering that and, and, and um, around people to take the time they need when they need it. It's certainly something that we're very.
1: Yeah. Now uh, there's a lot of umbrella terms that have been used in the past, I guess, ways of mitigating these things, whether it's supports inclusive practices. I think one of the more popular phrases at the moment is calling it uh, reasonable adjustments, uh, which, I mean, you know, being an ex-law student, what have I got to go to the high court and ask them to define reasonable with regards to autistic people? I mean, what's next? So yeah. So reasonable adjustments, but in effect, things that are put in place to, to do what you know a, a department is supposed to do, which is help a, a, an employee thrive. So, a lot of times in the past, they've been very much about. Um, I like to phrase it this way to, to to make it more make it more simplistic: is BYO ramp. So, oh, cool, mate! You, use a wheelchair, no worries. Bring your own ramp. See you Monday. Welcome aboard. Right now, for neurodivergent people, it's BYO ramp. It's simple as that. Yeah, uh, you know, what do you need? Nice cans of headphones? Okay, buy them and bring them yourself. You know, what do you, what do you need? A hat, sunglasses are inside. You know, when you, what, what, what you want to take breaks, that's fine. You just go outside to cool down. Just, we'll just add it to your time. I mean, it doesn't, that's not helpful. And I think there's, then there's the turn about how can we make things more inclusive? And I think what I'm, what I'm really passionate about at the moment, my, this, this kind of, a, this philosophy I have is the reasonable adjustments of people. And see, I think if we can reasonably adjust people then it cuts out the need for everything else. So, and what I mean by that is the ability for all employees to have some some degree, even entry level degree, of you know of autism of neurodivergence, some sort of understand. If of course, if the need it rises for a for a team member in their team, and I think you know this is the kind of stuff that's free. I mean, you know, uh, this isn't expensive. Um, it's because it's about talking to the autistic person and having conversations and people because if you i always think if you understand someone you appreciate them if you don't understand something you don't appreciate it so what what do you guys think about the idea of reasonable adjustments things people you know what's what's the way forward
3: i can start if you like um first of all reasonable adjustments is really already closely defined in workplace health and safety law and in um, disability law, and it comes down to what a person needs to be able to do their job well without, I haven't got the right legal wording here, but without putting the business under. Um, The point about um, adjusting people, um, it's complicated. The kind of things that people need in their autism 101 is that sensory issues are likely to be a problem, but may not be and communication styles will be different. And if people know and expect those two things that I think probably an awful lot of the misunderstandings and the the difficulties can be managed. Um, But then the next thing is to ask what's really important here. So is it really important that somebody comes to the, the Friday evening wine session is that what is that really a, a sacking issue? Um, is it really important that um, somebody finds it difficult to speak on the phone? Could you could that not be an email for that person? Um, what is really important is getting to a point where the job that needs to be done is done, and the way you get there doesn't have to be the way that everybody's expecting. You know, everybody has previously in the past gotten there. And I think just that flexibility, knowing knowing the kinds of things that are likely to be an issue, it's going to be broad because everyone who's autistic knows that we tend to be on both sides of every bell curve trait all at the same time. Um, But the main thing is flexibility in the way that things are achieved so i know that the the hr panel spoke about this too in that um the main thing you need to focus on is what is actually needing to be what what job is needing to be done and does it have to be done in a particular way
2: yeah yes. i mean um yeah reasonable adjustment. There, um, yeah, you know, being a small medium enterprise, it's kind of like being a restaurant and in a few things. There's not a lot of anxiety for us because we don't have the money for the things. So um, it makes this really double down. Like the fact that people are um, uh, actually reasonably just where like, appropriate yeah, uh, 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 to help support these to go up to uh, in order to feel. Um, valued and feel um, happy in the workplace. So that's all the stuff I mentioned before. It's having our own people success offices. It's having a really supportive um, uh, 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 management team that's in a similar demographic. Um, and you know, uh, understanding that all of the things we do that aren't specifically related to the data processing or analytics, are opportunities and optional, um, and by no means compulsory. Um, so, you know, supporting people to have opportunities to be able to do things, whether it be social or um, to support uh, professional development, are very important for anybody in the workplace. Um, but it's their choice. If they're not ready, um, then why the hell would you shove it down their throat? That's, I guess, the the good thing about social enterprise itself, you know, it's not another program where we need to hit numbers or tick boxes. Um, it's the actual organisation, the business is the engine itself. So I guess, yeah, we're a bit fortunate in that way that, you know, we don't have to provide certain things and get numbers through the door and if someone doesn't feel like it, we have to push them through it. Um, no, uh, come to work, get paid. Well, try, hope, hopefully you enjoy it. We try to support you to um, progress if you would like to. Uh, but all that stuff, you know, the green on top. It's, it's, it's not the core. So um, there's some of the things. We'll take your money though, if you want, if you want to give us money for an extra new sensory room, we'll have it. Um, but we just haven't found that under the couch yet. So at the moment we'll just focus on the um on the people around.
1: And as a rule, these types of things that we talk, we're joking about, you know, uh, are in effect, mostly irrelevant for autistic employees in the workplace. It's the, the things that are required the most uh, are really much smaller adjustments, much more obvious adjustments, you know, just the things that, it, 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 in fact, you know, like Kathy said, it's just, its it's not about it's not about shoving um, down people's throats or getting employees to do the seventh online, you know, education thing, you know, you got to do those things every year. Um, It's about understanding that, you know, well, Orion talks, Orion's autistic, he communicates differently. So in a meeting or in a conversation, he may seem more direct or more, you know, um, black or white or matter of fact or whatever. Um, That's not him being rude. That's him trying his best to work with you. Um, That to me is more powerful than really meant almost anything else because that's the difference between someone going to HR and saying I'm a bully right which I wasn't trying to be to to someone thinking oh no, no that's 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 just a run that's how he communicates uh, that is the most powerful thing my my worst experiences with HR and I've worked for the biggest media companies in the country uh, is um simple simply put um, you know, I've spoken or communicated in a, in, a, in a particular way, and um, that's it. I'm done. I'm a bully, or I was being rude or inappropriate or whatever. When that was never my intention, and it's uh, does does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Look, I I just want to pick up on that. That's that's absolutely right. If you bring things differently and people don't know to expect that, then you're going to be perceived in a particular way. That if people have that little little bit more knowledge, they're going to read completely differently. The other thing too is um, Jeff put um, like made the point that in small and medium businesses, you can't make expensive accommodations, but accommodations can be really idiosyncratic. And the bring your own ramp situation for autistic employees might not be always a bad thing because you know if you provide me with a hat, it might itch, it might feel bad, but my hat will be fine. Um, my sunglasses will fit me. So the main thing is finding out what's needed. So do you need a hat and sunglasses? Do you need a place to escape to? I mean, you know, put a chair in the, um, the stationary cupboard and I'll just, you know, if I need to get out of the way, then I'll just sit there for a while and you'll know that I'll be back, but I just need a little bit of dark and quiet. It doesn't, it, like the accommodations will be idiosyncratic to the person and idiosyncratic to the business. It just depends on what is available and what's needed.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's exactly the point I was, I was making with regards to BYO ramps. Um, autistic people do BYO ramps, as in I will bring headphones or a hat or glasses. So what I'm asking for is for the person opposite, opposite me to know that, oh, Ryan will wear sunnies in a dark room or wear a hat or headphones not because he's rude or abrupt or arrogant or you know thinks he's better than us right (laughs) because because of the lights or the sounds so it's actually about the understanding i don't need you to give it to me that's actually in, in a way we're actually asking for less than you think we are um and it's free uh and i think that's where it becomes you know even more powerful for those for those watching now well, you, Jeff, you touched on this before. I really want to dig into this, if we can, for just briefly. So lack of credentials, lack mm. of higher education. Uh, so this is a personal example. So I, I studied law, um, but I dropped out with, you know, maybe a semester to go. I was that close to getting a law degree, and it didn't matter. I was past the point of being broken by the system and how it works and the complete utter absolute lack of disability support services for autistic people. In saying that, I will, till this day, I will hug and high five all the staff members in that department. Beautiful people, amazing people. But you know, when you're restricted, um, you know, what are you going to? If you can't tell a lecturer to do something different to help someone learn, well, there's no use. There's no use being a part of that. But you know, so I didn't do it. Uh, I, I was that close to having a law degree. Um, from my point of view, a bit like a Steve Jobs thing, I got everything I had needed out of it, my friend. I've got everything I needed to get out of that law degree, okay? But the bottom line is I don't have a law degree. I don't have the degree, you know, the credentials. This idea that autistic people may find higher education harder, and that's, that's of course, a whole different discussion. But, of course, I think in bottom line terms, the supports put in place for autistic students are assessment-based. Now, the point is, I'll give you an extra 10 minutes every hour on your exam, and I'll give you an extra week for your essays. And I always say, fantastic, but I've got to learn the stuff, yeah? If I don't learn the stuff in the 12 weeks, what's the extra 10 minutes on the exam going to do? It's not going to do anything. You've got to learn the stuff to be assessed. So we're starting backwards. So, from that point of view, you seem to have a very different philosophy, Jeff, with regards to qualifications, higher education, credentials, almost offering what sounds like apprenticeships uh, in a way. So what's your what's your thoughts? Because they're obviously very different. A lot of corporations require that boxes ticked, yeah?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm glad you didn't get into, go into law. So I guess um, that's the silver lining. Um, I, 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 um, I, I feel like sometimes we're being pumped by society that we require this kind of cookie cutter four year degree, particularly in the the fields we work in, in facial and data analytics. Everything's changing all the time. No one knows anything. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be this completely different in 12 months time again. So obviously there's foundations that need to be taught, right? And um, there's got to be classroom settings. I understand that. Um, and blended learning through online and stuff like that. But in my experience, if you're absorbed in something practically and pragmatically in your job, you'll want to do the extra learning um, that is related to be able to help you do that job better or get that promotion. And so that's why um, we, we think of it as bringing you in if you've got the innate talent. Um, Will help you guide you um, to do to do the whether they're micro credentials or accredited training uh, whilst you're working, um, which is actually you know how um, law used to work uh, where you do um, clerkships and uh, in the office. But um, it doesn't it's, it's gone a different way, and it makes no sense because technology is changing all the time, um, and so this is a really good opportunity. Um, for autistic people to hopefully get the job first, and then they can learn on the job practically while getting those um, credentials on the side, because everything's changing anyway. So um, yeah, that that um, you're right. My philosophy is very strong on that. Um, we do not need that degree or certificate before you start. Um, we can help you do that with the trip. So. Um, let's let's bring more of that uh, into society um, and hopefully in professional services, you won't require those things in the future. We, we can be part of them, champion that systems change.
1: Yeah, it really touched on the idea that autistic people follow through on things that they're, they're, they're passionate about, they're interested in, they want to do. It's not like I, yeah. we don't want to do something. So you're using you're using it, you're shifting it and actually making making better use of that someone who wants to do this, we've found, if I find someone who really wants to do this, they're gonna do it, we will provide them with the opportunities. And because they wanna do this, they're gonna do those opportunities. And you're putting, as opposed to the, you know, the cart before the
3: horse. It, it makes total sense to me. Cathy, what do you think? I think that the work I'm doing at the moment was hired to do because being given a report that needed to be done I was able to find everything for it. I have no experience in IT. I have no study in IT. I do have a master's in palliative care and a bachelor's degree in paleontology. Um, I think the job training, being, being selected because you show an aptitude rather than because you can show that you've signed off on four years of study that, you know, might be relevant, and most of it won't be. Um, I think that makes so much difference. Um, with PCRC, um, our, um the COO's approach to it is that he's going to hire one person who has experience and skills and a demonstrated ability and a neurodivergent person with an aptitude. And, of course, what has happened is that he's got a lot more people with skills and abilities who are also neurodivergent because the work situation is supportive and and you know you can be neurodivergent openly, you can be autistic openly, um, you can struggle with auditory processing or um, you know other other things that that might get in the way of a regular job in a standard setting. So really it's it just um comes down to if you if you can do a job you should be given the chance to try
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and there's always exceptions to every rule of course we i understand that we all understand that we're talking in general terms um yeah so i mean as a rule you, you want a surgeon who's a surgeon uh, but that's a whole different point <laughs> um that's so true. Yeah.
2: although there's probably
1: other ways of doing it but you know there is but not legal um yeah consent would be an issue (laughs) Just it's a law thing sorry um uh, last thing I want to do before we end this my friends is talk about mentoring talk about pathways so it's not just about set and forget hiring so in other words it's not just about hire at the entry level and move on okay so um I guess Jeff start with you pathways mentoring for employees who are coming in providing I guess pa- pa- pathways to to further their careers. Um, what's what's your take on that?
2: Well, I mean it's critical um, because no matter how much we can want and try to change things, people need to network um, and uh, to get that next that next opportunity. Um, and so uh, we have an industry mentoring program where we have volunteers from the industries we work in. To work with our um, young staff, no matter how experienced they are, and they can talk to them about whatever going well, on. It's confidential, but in, in general, it's about how did I get here uh, and uh, how can I help you get to where you want to go. Uh, it's it's vital for every a, a, every person who's looking to start a professional career or go to the next level in that career, uh, but particularly for our staff who. Um, you know, often uh, when we float it, who wants to be a part of it? The question is, why do I, what's a mentor? Why would I do that? Um, and it's tricky to answer because you don't need to do it um, and networking doesn't make any sense. But if you have, you know, we kind of sell it that we've got some really experienced people who are, she- are keen to talk about the stuff that you're really interested in, and you never know, it might lead you. Um, through thinking about a different path um, or, a, or a, um, an advancement in your career. Um, so create that human connection through industry mentoring, see what's out there, particularly important in our industry because everything's changing all the time. So um, we're very, very lucky that uh, we've got a great program and lots of industry mentors who want to help um, help our staff uh, understand whether they want to be a surveyor or a spatial scientist or... Um, work
1: in um, data science. Yeah, and Kathy, what what are your thoughts on mentoring and and obviously offering you know pathways?
3: I've never actually been part of a formal mentoring program. Well, um, and think in a very small business, it's very hard to set up a mentoring program, but. Within the group that we're in, that I'm in at the moment, we've got individual skills and we each mentor each other and mentor new people coming into the organization in those skills and in the way that things are put together. Um, And I guess just that time connected um, is a lot about peer mentoring and pathways also. One of the things about a very small business, and I'm saying very small, not so much the Autism CRC, but turnkey CRC, there's only about six of us. um, The pathways tend to uh, be quite organic. So um, as long as our skills are being recognised, then our path might go from Um, data entry to um, exploring something else to training to um, I'm now an experience consultant (laughs) user experience consultant and the pathway in that situation is very much designed for the individual and that's something that small businesses can do that bigger businesses can't because the larger the business is the more you need these things clarified and in policy so pathways in a larger organization even a middle-sized organization are hugely important but they can be very organic very um very much less um, set in stone in a very small organization
1: guys we've reached the end of uh, this discussion it's been uh, it's been so good I, I really do appreciate it i hope you you've both enjoyed it
2: absolutely
3: good conversation
1: <laughs> it really it really has been a fantastic conversation so thank you so much thank you jeff uh, thank you kathy uh it's yeah what a what a great discussion and i hope you guys watching have got plenty out of it you can provide feedback the feedback session feedback form is accessed via the tab on the right our next session is a keynote presentation so stand by for that my friends to get to it you're going to click back to the home page or the agenda page. You'll see the session listed starting there soon. You click on that and you'll be ready to rock. Until then, uh, I will see you uh, in the next session I do, which I believe will be tomorrow morning. So uh, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. The
0: 2023 Autism at Work Virtual Summit was proudly sponsored by DXC Technologies, GHT Engineering, La Trobe University, Untapped Group, ANZ and SAP. Autism CRC is the independent national source of evidence for best practice. For more information on Autism CRC or the Autism at Work virtual summit, head to our website, autismcrc.com.au.